Welcome to Charmaine Wilson, the Australian Comedian Podcast. Good morning and welcome to my podcast where we are currently reading my book, Spirit Whispers. Now, I know I'm dragging the chain a bit on this, but oh boy, I have been so busy. I think I've been to a doctor's surgery every single day this week because, as you all know, um, current date is Friday the 11th of August. I'm having knee surgery in just two months' time. So there's a lot to do. So <clears throat> I'm trying to shovel this reading in between hand and then we will get back into our um, normal program. So we are up to chapter, chapter 7 and the chapter is called Wake Up. Despite all my efforts to do the right thing and straighten myself up, the underlying depression just wouldn't lift. While I'd been working at the Chook factory, I'd kept away from drugs entirely and cut right back on the drinking during the week. After I left the job and the kids went home, I didn't immediately return up to the old patterns. It was more that I found I just couldn't get motivated. Mostly I just slept, watched television and sat around feeling sorry for myself until the boys were due to visit. This went on for months. Every two weeks I would shake myself off the couch, put a smile on my face so the boys wouldn't realise how sad I was. They wanted their old mum back and although I didn't know where she was, I tried hard to imitate her. Slowly they, slowly they began to feel comfortable and trust me again. I felt I didn't deserve it. But kids being kids, they still loved me. It had been a slow, long and hard road, but I was succeeding. I still went on pain blocker drinking binges occasionally, but tried hard to keep the truth hidden from the kids. Inch by inch, I began to feel better and I got a job April of 2001, which I kept until I moved house in August the same year. I just want to stop. Yes, that's true. I just had to think about that. Sorry, guys. In July, the voices and visions came back with the force. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second. The reason that they came back with the force was because I went back and I had a relapse on the drugs. So I just want to be honest with that one. Okay. In July, the voices and visions came back with the force. This time it was not just Peter. They were more. He was there, but there were others. They were so loud. They were affecting my sleep. I would just drop off and they would yell to wake me up. I was getting scared now. There was nothing I could do to stop them. I began to get intoxicated more frequently to try to drown them out. The more I drank and did drugs, the worse they yelled. I could not make them go away. We even moved house in an attempt to get away from them. Redmond was still prepared to humour me a bit to get a bit of peace. But the entities just followed. They were even worse than ever. Wake up, they would yell over and over again. I would scream back at them. I was awake and punch wildly at the air. I looked at the, looked at the wall and saw faces. I looked at the carpet and saw faces. I looked at the back and see figures. They would always disappear when anyone came near. Some of the entities, be, entities became abusive, calling me a horrible name. So I abused more and more, hoping to rid myself of their presence. I was in a nightmare that was hard for anyone to understand. Imagine being able to hear up to six or seven people telling you that you were never going to amount to anything. The abuse was 24-7. Believe me, there was not much sleep. I searched frantically for Peter's kind voice, but it seemed he was nowhere to be found. When everything got really bad, he would come and put an end to the nasty voices, and then finally sleep would overtake my exhausted mind. They usually eased up when the kids came over, a bit anyway. I had to pretend nothing was wrong when I was in company, and it was really, really, really hard. Up until that time, I had only ever heard voices outside the house, but now they were everywhere in the house, in the supermarket, at McDonald's, you name it. 
I was terrified just about all of the time. The voices now talked to me through television shows. They distracted me constantly. I could even hear them through the speakers in my car stereo. The strange light activity increased as well. I remember sitting in the lounge room in, in the dark one night and seeing all these blue beams of light crisscrossing the room. I thought that if I crawled under the beams, Mission Impossible style, they wouldn't be able to get me. How the spirits must have laughed at me crawling on the floor. I actually did that. It was no laughing matter to me, though. I was convinced that the blue lights shone on me. I was done for. I cracked under pressure um, and, of course, returned to drugs to try and wipe myself out. I just want to be honest there. Um, I, was, I had really had a hard time with it at that point. Of course, this didn't help matters one bit. The abuse became intolerable. Some of the entities jeered me and told me I should just go ahead and kill myself because I was living a worthless life anyway. I really thought I was going to die in the end. I was hospitalised because my blood pressure was ridiculously high. 280 over 180. Now, I just want to stop here. What happened that night was I actually overdosed. I overdosed on speed and you may not think that's possible, but I did. And, um, and I ended up um, in a really terrible, terrible way. So I got my car and I drove this place where I thought I would be safe because I was not in my right mind. I rang my mum, she rang an ambulance, then I rang an ambulance. Um, they took me to one hospital where I was 280 over 180. Then they um, tried to calm me down. They couldn't calm me down. By this point I was hysterical because this activity had gotten insane. I'm not sure to this day what was spirit and what was my imagination. I'll be honest with that. Um, but the truth of the matter is I was scared shitless. I ended up getting transferred to another hospital where they actually totally knocked me out. And... Um, I'll keep reading now. So that was just a side note, guys. <clears throat> it was my mother's birthday, shamefully. And it was a really terrible time because I knew I had last, lost all grasp of reality at that time. Alcohol and drugs didn't give me relief from the constant harassment, even, even an artificial security blanket. All my attempts to escape from reality just made things ten times worse. My own thoughts mingled with constant chatter in my head and everything was even more jumbled and distorted when I was out of it. I knew I had reached a dead end. There was nothing paranormal about being rushed to hospital. That was down to my habits. I couldn't be always sure at this point what was real and what wasn't. Now I know without a doubt that during all that mess and confusion of that time, the spirits never left me. At the scariest moments, a little voice would sing the words of Bob Marley. Every little thing's gonna be all right. That little voice was crystals. The abuse from the other voices was just vicious and constant, but that sweet little voice just kept on singing. I hung on to it for dear life, the days, through the days that followed. September the 11th, 2001. I began the day in a daze. I hadn't liked myself for a very long time and was off my face as usual. I remember turning on the television and every channel was showing the same news footage over and over. Planes smashing into gleaming buildings, a giant twin towers falling and dis disintegrating into dust, images of fear, death and tears. I watched it all through a haze, unable to compute the reality of what I was seeing. I remember trying to change the channel, but all were the same, replaying the, the events over and over again. It was surreal, like some sick groundhog day. I just couldn't escape the images, the impact, the destruction. Through the days I recognised what was happening was actually a metaphor for my life. Change the channel and watch everything fall to bits all over again. No matter how many times I had changed a channel in my life, my footage was the same and here I was standing in the wreckage yet again. 
wake up, the voices yelled at me. I turned the television off. On the television the following day, I saw a group of beautiful Iraqis sitting on a lawn somewhere. All of them had lit candles for the victims of the terrorist attacks in New York. I realised then that some of those young Iraqis were likely to pay a huge personal price for the terrorist attacks in the days that followed. There was nothing psychic about that. I guess like many people, I understood that the Americans and their grief and outrage would need to take a, a, a revenge and bomb somebody. The odds were that the Iraqi would suffer for what Al-Qaeda had done, whether they had anything to do with it or not. I suddenly realised that 9-11, all the wars before to come, were just part of the same destructive cycle, the cycle of grief. I understood, I really understood for the first time that the actions like terrorist attacks and the various wars we see unfolding every day are built on grief. The need to relieve the pain usually ends up creating more grief for everybody. The impact of that realisation was very powerful. It began to dawn on me that my own self-destructive patterns were a part of this same cycle of grief. I had a strong sense that I was waking up, realising that the world had changed and things weren't the same as they'd been when I went to sleep so many years ago. I had compassion for the people who had been killed in 9-11, but strangely I felt in my heart that those people were okay. It was the rest of the world that wasn't, and like it or not, I was part of that world. Out of habit, I poured myself a large drink to help me digest the sudden insight. I want to stop there. It wasn't a drink I had, okay? Lifting... As I applied the drug to myself, I became aware of Peter's presence in the room. I could feel him watching me intensely. He said, I said, what are you looking at? He said, I'm watching you abuse yourself for the last time. Now, I want to stop on a side note there. That was not actually alcohol that I was having that time. I don't know why I changed that. I was so embarrassed when I wrote this book. I was embarrassed about where I had been. I was embarrassed that I had this gift and I had to explain that somehow I'd been a, a stupid idiot and taken drugs. I had to explain that. And so when I wrote this book, I actually screwed it up a little bit. By and It would probably be confusing to read. But anyway, you guys have got the truth here. So I'm going to keep going. So what are you looking at, I demanded. And now, another side note, I remember that day as clear as if it happened five minutes ago. It was clear. Peter was clear. He was on the top shelf. I could see every feature of him. And um, he was dressed in military gear as usual. So I'll continue on. I'm watching you abuse yourself for the last time, he said matter-of-factly. I knew he was right. I took my last shot on September the 12th and stopped using drugs once and for all. I decided that day I was going to change forever. I finally woke up. I went to stay with my sister in Toowoomba to sort myself out. The voices followed me there. Although they had become kinder now that I was making the effort to get myself sorted out once and for all, they still would not let me sleep. One female voice and several males talked to me about my life, my beliefs, my alcohol, my friends, my mother, my father, myself as a mother. I think I would have been lucky to get three or four hours sleep a night. Despite that fact, I was completely straight. I would still see them everywhere, at the gym, at the picnic point, at the trees, all over the place. Rebin and I split up not long afterwards. I needed space to clear my life of all the baggage I had attached to myself to over the years. When he left, I started to get my act together. I joined an aerobics class again. I was very well behaved. I was trying to give up the ciggies and was eating well for the first time in years. Peter, my guide, had become a regular fixture in my life, helping me to make the long overdue changes. The other voices were still around, but now they were not so horrid. They still all talked nonstop and kept me awake at night, but it was not as hard as it had been. 
It seemed that everywhere I went, they were with me. I could hear the different tones of their voices. It was hard to hold a conversation of my own at times as they would happily insert their own views on any topic at the most inappropriate times. I had imagined that once I started getting healthy, all the paranormal events would just disappear. Many of the horror sequences became a thing of the past. It's true. Um, it, it did all calm down. It wasn't so horrible. There was like a, a year that I could, it was horrible for a whole year. But I understand now that the voices, especially those of my guide Peter and Crystal, had stepped in to help me get back on track. They were not symptoms of my self-destructive habits, but the solution to them. When I began to listen to them and not just hear them, things began to improve quite rapidly. By October, money was very tight. Peter told me I would get a job the next day if I called the Air Force Base and asked for a man called Steve. I had nothing to lose, so I gave it a shot and to my surprise, I did get a job immediately driving the Smoko van around the base. Well, the Smoko van, for those listening on, is a lunch van. Well, Peter's detailed knowledge of the personal situation at the base had me convinced that he was somehow connected to the military. How else could he know about the van driving job? It was the only thing that made sense. Peter told me I would work for a while and then after he had trained me, I would work with him. I would be his partner in life. Partner in life. What the hell is that supposed to mean? I thought to myself, I came to the conclusion that somehow this man, Peter, had was accessing my mind through ESP and once my powers were developed, <laughs> I would be put to work as a secret psychic branch of the military. I actually believe that. At first, I thought that these guys had succeeded in scaring me straight and therefore they wanted my assistance to scare other people. I thought I was part of some elaborate experiment. It did seem far-fetched even to me, but was the only explanation that made any sense at the time. And I had found a book on psychic phenomena at Target book sale not long after I got a job at the base. Inside that book on psychic phenomena was a whole chapter devoted to remote viewing and mind control in the US military. And this confirmed all of my suspicions. I thought it was just like, couldn't. I began to prepare for the inevitable meeting with my mystery recruiter, Peter. Now, I wrote a poem here, which is now a song that my husband and I play, which I would like to share with you. I'm not going to sing it. And it goes like this. And I want it locked in boxes. It's called The Healers. Um, but we now call it boxes when we sing it. The healers, locked in boxes with dark locks, it was your feelings. Deep dark secrets interfering with your healings. We would not tell of your lonely hell. World, you know too well, because we're not talking, we are listening. You walked through one door, you slammed another, how it echoed. You left it open, it was a window and they followed. Nightmares and memories too, look how they coloured you. We can see right through but we're not talking, we're just listening. Hear us whisper, you're not crazy. Do you understand? There are no answers. Do you fear us? Are you trusting? Because we will drag you through every hell that belongs to you and you will pay your dues. But we're not talking, we are listening. Boxes unlocked, world is waiting, we have called you. If you stand tall, there is one thing we will tell you. You have one choice, to hear our voice. And it would be wise if you stop talking. Are you listening to me? Okay. So that is the end of chapter um, seven. And, you know, 
that was that was a really intense time in my life um, because of the drugs. I, I I have long suspected that a lot of that was psychosis, but there was a lot of real spirit in amongst that. So I understand that a lot of it I had made up in my mind, and a lot of it was absolutely one hundred percent authentic, as you were about to find out in chapter eight. Um, it was um, when I when I had this with with this book, I did actually get someone to help me write those chapters because I was going to be too hard on myself or I was going to fluff over it too much. I still think it's been fluffed over a little bit and um, because drugs shouldn't be fluffed over. It was a really serious time in my life and it was because of grief. I, I Because, you know, and this is why I, I'm so adamant with people, don't be like I was. Don't, don't go into a grief journey and destroy your soul because of grief and that is what I did. Now, I'm going to leave that with you guys for today. I hope you have a wonderful um, afternoon or whatever you're doing today. And I will be back with Chapter 8 very soon. She talks to angles. Oops, angels. <laughs> you all come back now. <laughs>